from above, number nine. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. Colossians 3, 1 through 3 says, If you have then been raised up with Christ, keep seeking the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So there are seven truths from above we've been sharing. And they are designed to help us walk and live from above while we, while we walk in this earthly realm beneath. And they are number one, reality begins with a person not an environment. Number two, live from above. Number three, to live above, you must learn about above. Number four, stay single-minded in order to stay above. Five, from above you overcome unsolvable problems in life on the earth. Six, you must speak the language from above. And number seven, the love from above conquers doubt. Today, I want to take that sixth truth, you must speak from above. You must speak from above. Hebrews 3.1, and, and what I want to do is just expand it a little bit with some examples and share some examples with you so that practically you can leave the surface and say, okay, I, I know more than the principle of speaking from above. I actually know a little bit more about how that's done, what that means and how to do it. So Hebrews 3.1, Therefore, holy brethren and sisterin, uh, partakers of the heavenly call, consider Jesus the apostle and the high priest of our confession. The Greek word is our homologia, when he says confession. We think of a confession, if we were raised Catholic, you think of going into the confessional and um, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. I don't know, I was never Catholic, but I've seen it in the movies. Um, but uh, we also think of a confession, for example, that a person might make under interrogation. But this word confession literally means the language of God. It comes from two Greek words compounded together, which means the same and to speak, to speak the same. So the homologia is to speak the same thing as God or speak God's language. Now, if, if we are going to speak God's language, God's language, I'm just going to give it a title, a term. I'm going to call, like you would call the English, the language that we speak here in America, I'm going to call, if you live from above, you're going to speak from above. That's the language of above. Everyone say from above. So you, you need to learn how to speak from above. That's the language of God. If you're going to communicate with God, and if you're going to communicate for God, you need to learn to speak from above. Now, <clears throat> if you learn to speak from above, then you can both speak with God and you can speak for God. But you're going to have to speak from above in order to do either of those two things. Now, from above isn't a language that you learn by learning phrases. If you were to get uh, one of those little uh, lessons, you learn Spanish, they teach you phrases. But you don't learn the language from above 
by learning words and phrases and then repeating them, even if you know what they mean. That's really not how the language from above works. So from above isn't a language that's learned simply by the repeating of phrases. In fact, in fact, God condemned trying to use from above as just simply a language that you learn the dialogue and then you use it and repeat it. When he said in Isaiah 29 and verse 11, the Lord says, these people say they are mine. They honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. So from above isn't spoken from the brain, but it's spoken by the heart. It is a language spoken from the heart, not from the head. And when you speak from above, you're not offering facts you're exercising authority. When you actually speak from above, you're not disseminating information, you are releasing inspiration. You are acting on the authority of God. Because when you speak from above, God is transmitting His will through your words. When a person really speaks from above, it's God operating, releasing His authority through their words. In fact, speaking from above carries a weight of heavenly authority that no earthly speech could ever convey. It's not information, it's authority. And so I want you to get that template in your mind because as we talk about these examples, you'll realize that there is a world of difference between just taking the scriptures, learning them, and then applying them to circumstances of life and just speaking with a disconnected heart. And, and you already know from Isaiah that God reproves that idea. He's not the least bit interested in it. In fact, heaven will not recognize. You might as well be looking up and barking like a dog. You, may, you could be taking scriptures out of the Gospel of John, and you're just barking them. If you're not speaking from the heart, there's no authority, there's no flow. You're not speaking from above. You're just talking Bible verses. And that's why Paul said, the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Um, in fact, in, there's an example in Luke chapter 4, verse 36. It says, amazed the people exclaimed, what authority and power this man's words possess. Even evil spirits obey him, and they flee at his command. So you could see that, that Jesus spoke, and when he did, demons fled. He spoke the language from above. When he spoke, God spoke through him. And so that's what I'm talking about. That's what from above is all about. In fact, the disciples, when Jesus rose from the dead, that same language, they, they, they not only received tongues on the day of Pentecost, they received the language from above. And Peter got up on the balcony on the day of Pentecost, and he opened his mouth and just gave a simple message about Jesus, and 3,000 people got saved. The prison doors on 3,000 souls were unlocked. Their hearts came forward and they said, what must we do to be saved? Why? Because they heard heaven 
calling through what Peter had said. That's speaking from above. Now, where did, where did Peter come from? Now, I want you to follow me. Where did Peter come from as he stepped out of that balcony and began to speak from above? Notice the word from. It, it relates to direction. So when people speak, they're coming from a particular place. Most dialogue and conversation on this earth comes from the world, comes from the earth. And it's just simply the, the repackaged and restated ideas and thoughts of darkness. And they, so produ they produce no life. They simply just rearrange the death and the sickness of sin. However, when Peter stepped out and opened his mouth, heaven spoke through him. Where was Peter coming from? Because he was speaking, what? From above. He had come out of several days of praying and waiting on God, and the Holy Ghost fell, and he opens his mouth and speaks. That's how you speak from above. So from above is not a just flippant off the hand, off the cuff language that you could just whip out. Although it can be quick, if you live in the presence of God, if you stay, as we used to say years ago, prayed up, praise the Lord, prayed up, packed up, and ready to go up, praise God, then you're always in touch with above. But if you're not in touch with above, then you're not, you can't speak from above. And so the Bible says the people were amazed because Jesus' words, they said, look at the power his man's words possess. They were amazed because there's nothing like that in the world. Well, that same thing happened in Acts chapter 4, verse 13. Peter and the disciples, a few days after the day of Pentecost, when Peter preached that message and 3,000 people got saved, um, they went out into the streets, and man, they were opening their mouths and preaching, and people were getting saved. Signs and wonders were happening. It was like they had just killed Jesus, but he didn't go away. And so they killed him because they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted all this speaking from above to stop because it was messing with the priest's authority. The priests used their position to have authority over the people so that the people looked to them. Some people um, find in God and in the Bible and in church an opportunity to become important an opportunity to have people look to them, an opportunity to have people depend on them. These are exactly the wrong kind of motives because Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, you're going to be a servant of all. So that, that's the motive. If our motive is to get people to listen to us, then we are not speaking from above. So the Pharisees wanted Jesus killed because they wanted the speaking from above to stop because they were speaking from beneath, but they were using the words of above, but they were speaking from beneath. And so they didn't like it. They didn't like it, and they wanted to get rid of Jesus. So then they killed him, but all of a sudden he shows up a few days later. He's in Peter. He's in John. He's in the men and women who came out of that upper room, and they were speaking boldly. So the, uh, the, the um, church council sends the police out, the church police, to arrest Peter and John. And they arrest him and they bring him in and they put him on trial and they threaten him. And they say, you better stop. They wanted to kill him 
like they had killed Jesus. They wanted to beat them, but the people were receiving what they were saying, and so the people were so excited, they thought, we better not beat these guys up. We, we better just, we'll just threaten them. No more preaching in Jesus' name. But, but Peter and John spoke up. They spoke from above, and they said, well, you know, <clears throat> whether we should represent God and speak for God or not, we can't help but speak what we have seen and heard. So you judge. And when they and, and let me pick it up and tell you what, what the what the religious leaders said. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and discovered that they were uneducated, in other words, they didn't have the ability to speak with eloquence or with force or to, to speak publicly with any convincing uh, dynamic. They realized that they were uneducated and ordinary men. They were, once again, amazed and recognized these guys have been with Jesus. Why did they recognize that they'd been with Jesus? Because when they opened their mouth, they spoke Jesus. They spoke from above. Doggone it, they're, they're, they're talking, they're saying the same stuff's coming out of them that was coming out of Jesus. Now we've got a real problem on our hands. We just had one guy to deal with before. Now he's, he's all over the place. Hallelujah. Somebody say praise the Lord. Now let me just say this to you because you, you want to learn to speak from above. I mean, what good is being a Christian if you're not going to speak from above? When you get saved, it is required that you become a witness. And the, the only way that I know of to be an effective witness is to learn to speak from above. Otherwise, you're just walking around and talking, and, and uh, the Lord wants to speak through us. So let me tell you, if you're going to speak from above, everyone who speaks the language from above has spent time with God. Let me say it again. That, that should have really been more impactful. Everyone who speaks from above has spent time with God. Yes. And, and let, me, let me refer to an Old Testament uh, scripture to bring this concept out. Jeremiah was a man who went through terrible persecution. God spoke to him. He spent time with God. But every time he opened his mouth and prophesied, people didn't like it. They persecuted him. He had a very rough life. And so he's, he's crying out to God about the situation that he's in because people are persecuting him. And uh, they dug a pit. They threw him down in this well, down in this pit. And it was not good for him. So Jeremiah 15, and verse 15, Jeremiah said, Lord, you know what's happening to me. Please step in and help me. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy and my heart's delight for I bear your name, O Lord, God of heaven's armies. So notice how he combines, I found your words. When I found them, I devoured them because I bear your name. So I want you to see this because this was a man who spoke from above. And I want you to understand, take note, the words from above, the words of the language from above must be sought, they must be found, they must be devoured, and they must be digested. Then you're ready to speak from above when 
You have devoured, you have found and digested and devoured the words that God speaks to you so that they fill you with their joy. You can go to a conference, you can walk out of a church service, and you can repeat an anointed word from God that you've heard. But if you haven't digested it, if you haven't devoured it, if it's not deeply meaningful to you, and let me go really to the, the real heart of it, if you yourself don't rejoice over that word, it doesn't mean anything to you, it will have no power when you speak it. You can repeat it, but you won't be speaking from above. God has control over the language from above. And never, ever will you see speaking from above when the joy of the Lord is not in the heart of the person who speaks it. Because they are filled. I found your words. I devoured them. So I thought this was amazing. Jeremiah is a man. He's in the pit. Everyone hates him. They beat on him. He was thrown in prison. He was shackled. So he's, he's, he's leading a miserable life. Life is not treating him well. It's certainly not fair to him. Yet he says, I was full of joy because I found your word and I devoured them and they became joy to me. What does joy do? The joy of the Lord is our, is our strength. Praise the Lord. So you're ready to speak from above when you've gotten in your bedroom or wherever you go to pray. See, it's not a fast language. This, this language takes time. And um, you, it takes time to get with God and begin to develop a personal library. Begin to develop in your communion time a dialogue between you and the Father so that the voice of the Father becomes familiar to you. I'm so impressed. Um, John bragged on his wife. I brag on my wife. My wife is, has always been just drop-dead gorgeous, but the thing that's the most beautiful about her is that she lives in the love of, loves the Lord, and she has this prayer chair we call it the reading chair that she sits in, and the arms of the chair are covered with all of these devotional books that she's written, or ones she's read, and they've got all this writing in it. And she has a, like an <clears throat> a calendar she's run for a couple of years, and every day she has words from God. She writes them in, dates them, and then the Lord tells her, go back to June 7th. 2014 and she'll go back to June 7th 2014 and there'll be a word from the Lord that God spoke to her so she has a library from above she's found the word she delights in it and therefore she's ready she's always right there ready when a situation comes up father what are you saying father says go to August 2nd last year or he just speaks to her but see You've got to develop that love for God by learning the language. That, that's the way you speak to God and then speak for God. Nobody is going to speak for God who doesn't speak to God and let God speak to them. So let's close out by doing this. Let me give you a couple of examples of <clears throat> speaking from above. And the first, probably you've thought of it already, is David when he stands before Goliath. And he says, you come at me with a sword and a spear, and you're 10 feet tall. But, and David replied to the Philistine, I come to you 
in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies. So David said, all right, you're threatening me and cursing my God. I'm about to speak to you from above. And he said, I'm going to talk to you from above. And he says, I come to you in the name of the Lord who you've been cursing. Now, the Bible says the name of the Lord is a strong tower and a refuge. The name of the Lord is a refuge. And it's a refuge because the name of the Lord, the name of Jesus, holds the key to his authority as the king of heaven and earth. The name of Jesus has been invested in the full authority and dominion in heaven and earth. Why? Because Jesus lived the life that fulfilled that. And he is the eternal I am, so he was the the king of eternity. And then he came into the world as man, was given the name of Jesus of Nazareth. His name is filled with the accomplishments of his life. So all of the authority of Jesus the accomplishments of his life and what that name means are invested in the name of Jesus. So I'm taking refuge in the name of Jesus because Jesus represents the complete dominion over the enemy and over all of his power. I can take refuge in that name and I'm taking refuge in heaven when I do that. God allows you and I to use praise God, allows us to use his name as a sign that he has accepted us and that we are with him. When you speak from above, you are permitted to use his name. Now, you can run around and use the name of Jesus, the seven sons of Sceva, who were the exorcists. They they tried to cast out demons. They said to the demon-possessed man, in the name of Jesus, who Paul preaches, and even the devil said, You don't have any authority to speak in the name of Jesus. I know Jesus, and I know about Paul, but who are you? Have you ever done that? Have you ever said, in the name of Jesus, and your child spoke right back to you and said, well, who are you? Because you have no authority. You have no power. The name of Jesus. See, you need to take refuge in the name. If you take refuge in the name, you could speak from that name. But you have to take the time to put yourself in that tower of refuge. And the Lord will allow you to use his name. But uh, using the name of Jesus isn't just running around saying, Jesus, 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 Jesus. But it is being in him. And the Lord says, I love you, my daughter. I love you, my son. And you love his word. And the Lord says, speak to this situation in my name. You know, you could say, Father, what are you doing in this situation? And the Lord will show you, this is what I want to do. So you go out and be my spokesperson and speak it, and I'll do it. You speak it, I'll do it. That's how from above, the language from above works. So Proverbs 18.10, if you're taking notes, is the one that has that scripture. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they are safe. And the word safe literally means set on high. So you get the picture of a tall tower. Listen, the name of the Lord isn't a bunker where you go running in, you squat down in the corner until all the bombardment has ended. It's an elevated fighting position. That's different from a bunker. 
I'd love to get Danny to jump up, give us a little lesson. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Danny, is there a difference between a bunker and an elevated fighting position? When you're in a bunker, you're hunkered down until the danger passes over. And that's fine. Sometimes God says, just chill out till the danger passes. But the Lord sent us into the world, and he's given us, through his name, an elevated fighting. He expects you, when you get up in that high tower, shoot back. Say, the word says, there, take that, Satan. But you can't do that if you're not in that high tower. You need to be in the name of Jesus, not just saying the name of Jesus. That, that makes sense, doesn't it? So Peter, here's why I want to use Peter as an example. Peter um, uh, is going into the temple at the time of prayer, and he sees a lame man sitting there begging for alms. And Peter stops with John with him, and he looks at him. And Peter then said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, here you go, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. So what he does is he comes up to this man and he says, I'm speaking to you from above. Get up. I speak to you in the name of Jesus. Jesus has sent me. In the name of Jesus, get up. And the man jumps up and he's instantly healed. He's never walked, lame from his mother's womb. Miracle, it's awesome. Isn't that wonderful? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And so <clears throat> the, the man's healed and he runs into the temple shouting and praising God and the people get around Peter and John and they're like, oh, you know, you are great men of God and they're, they're giving credit to Peter. And, and Peter, Peter says, no, 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 no. He says, we had no, the, we're, what, what you have seen is you've seen a demonstration of the language from above. See, we, we think because we go to these conferences and we see the great men and women of God laying hands on people and miracles happening, we think that God moves through special vessels. Special vessels who can do no wrong. Special vessels who have all the power. And we, we don't have that kind of position and everything. We've, we've never really embraced the idea that it's the use of the language from above that really brings Jesus into the world. Signs and wonders take place, praise the Lord. It, we are always wanting to elevate people. We're always wanting to elevate a system. We're always wanting to say, oh, that's the church to go to because it, God is there, you know. But if God is really moving, it's because from above is being spoken. People are speaking from above, no matter who they are. Hallelujah. So Peter says to them as they're starting to exalt him, Peter says, no, 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 we had nothing to do with it. By the name of Jesus and through faith in his name, this man stands before you whole. And so he said, this is just speaking from above. You know, <clears throat> I would, um, I'd like to add this. Oh, by the way, um, I, I think you got the thing about uh, David. I come at you in the name of the Lord, and then the victory follows. So he was speaking from above. And, and David was confident that 
God loved him and he loved because he loved God and they had this relationship. So he felt confident to speak for the Lord and he was able to speak from above. So Peter though, remember Peter just days before had denied Jesus. Now here's where I want you to pay close attention because we're going to make this our altar call. After denying Jesus, Peter's confidence that he could speak from above, that God would allow him to be an ambassador and speak from above and, and be useful to the Lord, his confidence had been destroyed by condemnation because he had denied the Lord. And Jesus knew that he had to do something to help Peter get back on his feet. And so there on the shores of Galilee, there's the resurrected Christ and the disciples are there with him and Jesus is there and Jesus turns to Peter and says, Peter, do you love me? Peter says, yes, I love you. Feed my lambs. Then a few minutes later, Jesus says, Peter? Peter says, yes. Do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. A few minutes later, Peter? Oh, oh, and feed my sheep, Jesus said. A few minutes later, a third time, Jesus said, Peter? Peter said, yes. Do you love me? And Peter's exasperated at this point, and he says, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Well, Jesus wasn't asking him because Jesus wanted to know if Peter loved him. Jesus was asking because he wanted Peter to know that Peter loved him. Condemnation robs you from the confidence within yourself that you really do love God. And it is from the free flow of your love for God that the authority to speak from above comes from. God moves through healthy, free-flowing relationships. And when we mess up, the Lord is there to help get us out of that mess and get us back to the place where we focus on, yes, Lord, I do love you. Because when I can say, Lord, I love you, I then know, I know that I'm authorized to speak for the Lord, to speak from above. And so that's what the Lord did and how the Lord healed Peter so that Peter could speak from above by reassuring him, you do love me. And um, so I'd like you to close your Bible this morning. As we close in prayer, it occurs to me that many of us, if not all of us, in one way or another, may have something in our life that is hurting or holding back our confidence that we truly do love God. If I were to ask you right now, do you love God? You would probably say, I do. But many of you, at the moment that you say, I do love Jesus, do you love Jesus? I do love Jesus. A voice might spring up in the back of your mind then why do you do this? If you do love me, why don't you do this? Most of us, if we're honest with ourselves, we're not perfect. There are imperfections. Sometimes those imperfections become weights or sins that easily beset us. So when we're asked, do you love me? We'll say, yes, I love you, but there's that... It's that silent, creepy accusation in the back of your mind. If you love me, then why don't you 
be more like this? Why don't you spend more time with me? Why don't you do this? It's that voice that even though we say out of our mouth, I do love Jesus, that is a voice that takes our heart and closes it, closes that door just a little bit tighter and locks it away. <clears throat> that door needs to be open, needs to be wide open. That's why we cannot allow sin. We cannot allow anything to stay in our life. If something happens, we have to get in front of Jesus. Jesus, Jesus confronted, badgered Peter three times, do you love me? Because it took that for Peter to cough the hairball up. Hey, got it out. I do love you. And once he said that, it was out. And now you can speak for me. And you can feel confident about it. Praise the Lord. So I want you to stand with me. You might have something in your life. And I don't need to know what it is. But if it's there, the Bible says the anointing of the Holy Spirit breaks the yoke. Jesus is speaking to you. Do you love me? That little thing on the inside. If you love me, you do this. Confront it. And then the, get it in front of you. And then say right through it, looking straight at Jesus, I do love you. You know that I love you. Sometimes it'll take three times. And then that opposition, that condemnation will go away.